Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I am Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 38 of the North Meet South web podcast. Recorderinos. See you recording. I'm recording. Let's see how well that lines Beautiful. up. Beautiful. Yes. Yes. So um, Thanksgiving was yesterday and today was Black Friday. However, it seems like everybody has transitioned to Black Thursday now because <laughs> I think they realized that people didn't like to... Well, I was going to say, how much do you know about Black Friday? I just know that there's sales on, but I don't know. Like, I don't know the significance of Black Friday other than there are There is no sales. significance. Yeah, okay. There is no significance. It is just sales. Now, I remember like when I first heard about it, like when we first started, I don't know, I don't know how many years ago it was, uh, when I was in high school probably, that I first heard the actual term Black Friday. So anyway, it used to be that you'd have to get up at the crack of dawn at like, you'd have to be at the stores at like 5 a.m. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, as soon as they opened. And if you wanted to get anything good, you'd have to be there even earlier to get in line. <laughs> yeah. And so it was only the super hardcore people that got out there that got the really good deals, right? And so I think stores eventually realized, you know what? We don't really care that people come out super early to get it. All we want to do is make money. So what we're going to do is we're going to call it Black Friday. But our deals are going to start on Thursday night. <laughs> so there's been a couple iterations of this. Like remember Walmart a couple of years ago did like staggered sales. So they'd say like, okay, this item is on sale at six. This item's on sale at seven. Mm-hmm. This item's on sale at eight, nine, 10 o'clock, whatever. But what ended up happening is everybody just showed up anyway yeah. and just stood in line. And so it was just a disaster, <laughs> a disaster. And so now Black Friday deals start at like six o'clock on Thursday night and run all the way till the stores close on Friday night. Right. So anyway, went out last night and went out at like 7.30. So like the crowds had died down. And all I was looking for, which was the big item this year, was the Google Home Mini. Yep. All of them were on sale for 30 bucks anywhere you went. And then there was all, there was like a couple different gift card options you could get. It was like eBay, Target, B&H, whatever. The best one I found was at Walmart. And you could get a $25 Google Express gift card mm-hmm. for Walmart purchases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So $29.99 for the, Google, for the Google Home Mini and then a $25 gift card. Nice. Super good deal. So you can get it for like four bucks, yeah. right? So went to Walmart at 7.30. They were sold out, of course. Of course. It's like, bummer, because I really wanted to get some. Anyway, so I was like, I wonder if they have any like in the locked shelves back like where they're actually on display. So I went back there, asked the dude. He unlocked it. Sure enough, there was a ton of them in there. <laughs> and he grabbed me two of them. And I was like, will they ring up the same price? He's like, we'll see. And sure enough, they did. So there we go. I got to show up an hour and a half late, and I still got what I wanted. Nice. That's pretty awesome. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, so it was fun. So now you're just going to have to make sure that... You- Every time you watch TV now, you're going to have to turn them off because there's so many things. Why like, is that? Well, just just so many shows now. They just try and slip it in. Like originally it was a big joke, like, ha ha, let's see if we can get people's Google now to pick up. And now it's where it, now it's at the point where it's just a plot piece. Like it's just something that's in the background in a TV show. So they'll be like, you know, hey, Google something, something in the show. And it just sets off all of these things all around the world. That's hilarious. Um, There was, I think. Uh, Burger King did something like that last year where they ran some campaign where they were like, hey, Google, order me a Whopper or something. And uh, you can imagine any anyone who had a Google Home in, in earshot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or Alexa or whatever. Yeah, right? so, whatever it was. Well, South Park hey, did Alexa, an episode a few months ago where they had like Alexa, Siri, and Google. And the gag was that they would like get them to talk to each other. 
So they would get Alexa to talk to Siri to to Google Now, and then so like, oh my and it was just like this chain of like cascading um, devices all talking to each other. And then of course, people that were watching it had the thing. A friend of mine had to turn his off because it kept on <laughs> kept on going off through the show. That's hilarious. I did not hear about that. I'm no. gonna have to try that out. Yeah, I'll see if so I can yeah, get it up it's, in the it's show. It's pretty notes. cool. The next thing is like smart home stuff. That's what my brother-in-law is really into. And uh, we do like a Christmas exchange, a Christmas gift exchange. Uh-huh. And he was asking me like, what should I get for you? And uh, he's super, super into it. So I was like, yeah, just get me some smart home stuff. So that's kind of the next step. So I can say like, uh, hey, Google, you know, shut off the lights in my basement or whatever. Because yeah. my kids constantly leave those on. And you never like I'm shutting the house down at like at night and going around locking all the doors, making sure everything's shut off. And I just see a light underneath the door. And I'm like, I would run downstairs yeah. and shut off all yeah. the lights in the basement. Yeah, we've got no a couple fun. of them. Yeah, we've got a couple in our bedroom and we've got a couple in our family room. But they're like they're just they're too expensive to justify doing the whole house at once. They're the, yeah, the like the smart bulbs are like seventy dollars each. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna do the smart switches. I think yeah. instead of smart yeah, bulbs. Yeah. So like I'm just gonna replace the switches, and that way I don't have to ever replace bulbs. I like replace it once. You can get it for like twenty, thirty bucks. Yeah, twenty bucks would be really good. Thirty bucks, more like thirty, forty bucks. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, yeah. So that was that's kind of my, been my. Uh, Thanksgiving slash Black Friday. Thanksgiving been really fun. We've been playing lots of games. We played Clue tonight. Have you ever played Clue? Not for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time, too. But I won. <laughs> yes. I discovered it was Professor Plum in the in the library with the wrench. <laughs> so good times. Good times. So, hey, man, uh, we should probably get down to business here, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's see. What do we want to talk about today? We've got. Why don't we talk about now that you can now that you've formally and officially announced it? Yeah, Laracon AU, yeah. which is Laracon Australia. Uh, did you open up the CFP yet? No. So that'll be that'll go with the website in the new year. Okay. Okay. So the call for papers will be put out with the website in the new year. This is. I talked to Michael. And Michael was very diplomatic and very kind in the way that he said it. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll submit some papers, whatever. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> and uh, he very gently and kindly let me know, you know, though, by the way, if you want to talk at Laracon, maybe you should do that at the U.S. Because the AU people, we don't have, this is the thing for us. Yeah. So all you people who are New Zealanders, Australians, whatever, you people are the ones who need to be submitting papers to this. Yeah. We want to get... You know, of course, of course, you've got a couple of people who are the exception to that rule. Taylor Otwell, Jeffrey Way, Matt Stauffer, Adam Wathen, those guys, right? Yeah. Those, those are the dudes who you're never going to say, oh, yeah, no, thanks. We got a, we got a local speaker here. Those okay. guys show up. We're going to let them yeah. talk. But if you are, you know, a first time speaker or not a first time speaker and you live in AU or in uh, New Zealand, mm-hmm. we want to hear from you. Or, or even, Southeast, like, you, even, so. even Southeast Asia. You know, Vietnam, Singapore, yeah. Malaysia, the Philippines, you know, any of those kind of places would be good to hear from. No, you know, speakers, but also attendees as well would be really good. But I do, I have one, one confirmed speaker already. Awesome. And I can't tell you who it is. <laughs> I've got we to keep some secrets. We'll enough. find out when, when the website goes live. I hope to have at least two, potentially three by the time the site goes live. Okay. But I definitely have one now. I have one right now. Okay. Been working on the site though a lot recently? Not yet. I am speaking with Steve Sugar next week about it. Oh, cool. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was speaking of Laracon 
US website will be launching on Monday, mm-hmm. which is probably when this show will go out. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go ahead and check that out. Taylor was uh, tweeting the other day that it looks really, really good. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. It should be fun. Yes, and then, of course, not to be uh, overlooked, uh, Laracon Online is also still, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's still early bird or not, 12 bucks for your tickets. I talked to TJ Miller, who is uh, a faithful Laravel friend, and he informed me that he might be able to make a road trip down to Illinois to hang out with us oh, on cool. Laracon Online Day. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so I was really stoked about that. So that might be, that might be uh, happening, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to. That should be fun. Yeah. That'd be super so, cool. So, hey, maybe I can get... Yeah, maybe I can get Hempel to, uh, to swing over and Andrew Del Preti to come down, fly down. What do you think? <laughs> I think you could certainly give it a try. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to yeah. happen, but we'll see. We are we'll we see. are still on early bird for Laracon Online. Okay, awesome. So yeah, go ahead and buy a couple tickets to those 12 bucks. You can't go wrong. Oh, until the 3rd of January. Okay, very cool. And honestly, it's like one of those things where like, even if you're not able to take the day off, to watch it there's recorded versions of it i mean literally if you didn't even watch any of it if you didn't do anything of it it's 12 bucks to support a company that yeah. you know was basically the birthplace of laravel yeah so uh totally worth it totally worth it i'm interested to hear what kind of giveaways they have this year they had really good giveaways last year popco pop.co have once again offered a .co domain for free but uh, awesome nothing nothing official nothing announced at the moment will be good will be good i'm sure <laughs> um okay so let's talk about some uh tech stuff we've been working on mm-hmm. if we if we uh can do that sure so uh do you want to start or do you want me to start uh, you can start this week okay so i have been working in a legacy code base which has been an interesting challenge yeah i will describe it to you there are three different repos which make up one site essentially mm-hmm. there's like an admin a common and then like the actual root that is what's served to the users and mm-hmm. they're in three separate repos but they all kind of work together to form one application it is a legacy code base that has been or is being migrated to a laravel 5.2 install mm-hmm. and i was trying to basically i was commissioned to do a piece of this checkout flow and i really wanted to use view in there so I got Mix working in there, which is awesome. So in case you don't know what Laravel Mix is, it is basically just a task runner. It is a wrapper over Webpack that allows you to really easily be able to compile down your, your SaaS, package up all your view stuff, uh, Browserify works with, or is it Browserify? I think it's, or is it, it might just be Webpack. Browser Sync. Browser, browser sync. sync. Yeah, so there's Browser Sync, but I'm talking about like packaging up your view templates and stuff like that. Yeah, Mix is Webpack. Okay, okay. So anyway, it all works beautifully and you can literally use that anywhere you want. So I've used it on sites that are not Laravel sites. Uh, I've used it in this, which is 5.2, which uh, Mix didn't come out until 5.4, I don't think. So it doesn't matter. You can use it. It's basically agnostic, framework agnostic, doesn't care. Just uses Webpack. And as long as you have access to Node and can do NPM install, you're good to go. So got that worked in there, which was really awesome. And that was actually pretty trivial. So at that point, I was then able to start using view templates. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just the dot view files, which is so it always just feels so good because it doesn't really matter what type of code base you're in. If you can get that compiled down, you now have access to view stuff, which makes everything easier on the front end. It's yeah. just beautiful. You just pass in a couple props and start going to town. So the idea is a pretty interesting one. And, and it is like they have an add to cart button. But the new offer that we have in there is a button that says, 
price match maybe mm -hmm. like so yep. click this button and enter the url of another com competitor uh, enter the price enter your email and we will essentially check to see if we want to match that price right mm -hmm. so really what ended up happening is they wanted to give the user immediate feedback and say like yes we will accept this price or no we won't they know mm -hmm. what their margins are and they can say yep. like, hey, we're willing to lose this much of our margin in order to be able to keep the customer here instead of sending them off to a competitor site to purchase, which totally makes sense. I mean, that's a, that's a genius yeah. idea, right? So it's basically like an instant coupon maker is what it is. Mm -hmm. So you like can get up to a certain percent off. So per brand of item, they basically know what their margin is and they can set it up and then say, we're willing to accept up to this much off. And then it will give them, you know, basically generates an instant coupon for the customer that they can apply to their cart. And it's ex exclusive coupon, so they can only use that one coupon in their cart and nothing else. But it was definitely a challenge, like getting that all integrated, especially with a legacy code base. But that has been my challenge this last week. I actually spent almost all day Wednesday, like a regular work day, working on that at a coffee shop in town here. <laughs> Finally got it done and was so relieved to have it done. Um, <laughs> it was it was a fun project, but it definitely made me like, thankful for like regular Laravel code bases, you know, not yeah. legacy stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I also realized I'm pretty spoiled. Like, there's a lot of people who have to work on that sort of stuff all the time, right? AKA yeah. my co-host, Michael Dorinda. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And you say the, the, I don't want to say the worst part, I guess it's detrimental to the developer if they're in it all the time. They don't know what's outside of that code base. They don't necessarily understand. And so they think, you know, they. I guess it comes down to a bit of Stockholm Syndrome where you mm, are so used yeah. to working. I mean, you're so used to working in that way that I guess you become drained at the end of it and you don't really look at any way to improve it. And so you just end up writing that same code over and over again. So there's stuff that that I'm working on or working adjacent at the moment at work where it's still running on like a PHP 5 I think it was, I, I think I found a 5.1 host the other day but certainly there's there's some 5.3 hold on hold on, hold on. 5.1 it's running on PHP yeah. 5.1 oh man mm, no actually it would be 5.3 okay okay pretty but but even still right sure there's, and yeah there's, oh but it works fine that's not the point but you know and and that's okay. Like, obviously, you don't get any of the new features, but it's on CentOS servers. So all of any of the security fixes that have come out in you know, five four, five five, five six, seven, they get backported. Okay, gotcha. Of, of gotcha. So the, the the operating system will maintain that. So it's it's not like it's necessarily susceptible to security More attacks. Yeah, sure. But what it does is it gets you in a certain mindset. You don't have some of the new features that are available in PHP. Is short array syntax even available? Is no, short array syntax? No. No. Oh my gosh. No, which I didn't find out until this one application that I was working on, which didn't exist in Git. There is no developed environment for it. So I was, you know. Right. You know, I was making changes live. Commando style, and I went, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I went, oh dear. You know, that doesn't work because I had short array syntax in there. So oh, all, of the, all of the new stuff that I've been working on has been Laravel, which is nice. One of the other developers is now doing some of our geospatial sort of mapping stuff. Yeah, I'm interested to hear about that, that, by the way. Yeah. So he's, we'll, we'll get to it. So he's um, working on building up, I guess it's kind of like an asset register around our physical tower sites where we've got wireless equipment and the, and the base stations and whatever is on there. Sure, so sure. he's decided that he's going to do that in Laravel because he wants, awesome. you know, 
the the stuff that I've written is in Laravel. Some the newer stuff that I'm doing is in Laravel. So he sees the value in in doing it in Laravel. So all of our code bases are the same, which is great. He came to that by himself. I didn't even realize he was working on this stuff until he said, I'm going to do it in Laravel. So that's fine. Yeah, that's the best. So I'm really happy about that. And then the other developer was like, oh, we'll just write it in plain PHP. You know, we don't have time to... And I'm like, well, do you really have time to not? Right, that's the, that's the better question. Do you, do you really have time? Like, do you really want to have to go and write all of this database stuff and you have to write queries? We, I mean, you know, writing queries is not bad, but but do you want to be focusing on that kind of stuff and the way that exactly. the, the, the stuff is done? And as I said, this is where it comes down to, you've always done it in a certain way and you've had no exposure outside of that. So you just keep doing it in the same way. There's no improvement. Yeah. It's like, well, it yeah. worked yesterday, it worked last month, it worked last year. So why would I change the way I'm doing right. it? So, so yeah, he's he's been ticking along with that, which is nice. And then I got a message from him the other day and he goes, I'm doing some Laravel stuff. What are the recommended resources? I said, well, obviously, look at the the, the Laravel fundamentals thing on Laracast. Look at the Laravel 5.4. Read the I documentation. Don't think, I don't, read the, yeah, read the documentation. I don't think there's a Laravel 5.5 from scratch. There's a 5.4 from scratch and then there's what's new in 5.5. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at that one. It's been a while since I've looked at those. Like, I, I know for sure there's a what's new in five five, which has been really helpful. Yeah. But yeah. Um, really, honestly, if you did a five four from scratch, you'd be. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd be plenty ready, and then you could just yeah, yeah kind of get the updates in the five five stuff. Yeah. So you know, and and he's been slowed down because he's learning. I said it's better that he learns it and you know gets up to speed with it. Because it'll make things easier in the future. It also makes things easier longer term if we have to bring other developers on, instead of spending the first two months or three months or five months trying to grok the code them base. to our systems yeah. and trying to yeah understand that, which is not necessarily simple, especially the way that we've got we're using um, Mustache Handlebars yeah, in sure. places, and uh, and uh, Handlebars is really cool. But we are loading the HTML templates via AJAX. And then we're loading the data via Ajax and we're then rendering the templates. So whilst we fixed some issues recently around our JavaScript getting cached on client browsers, we now have the issue of the HTML being cached. Oh gosh. So they'll get the new they get the new JavaScript, but the, the templates are cached. And so they still still have to clear their caches when we do some releases, depending on what we've done. So but but that all aside, you know, he's done that. But he came to me the other day and, you know, asked for the resources. So I said, you know, Laracast, obviously. Um, read the documentation obviously and if you have any questions let me know like i would like to steer him in the quote unquote i guess not the right way but the laravel way yes try and keep it simple put you know put your models in your controllers don't abstract if you don't have to you know all that all that kind of stuff yeah really because just because it's then, a, just because it's a laravel install doesn't mean that it's magically perfect honestly that is, that is a big mm. that is a really good point because i've there's plenty of people who write crappy code in laravel yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not a magic bullet. Like, so Correct. I've seen people who have these controllers that it's literally like a hundred methods in a controller. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a single controller has that many methods and they're just, they're not named consistently at all. Like, uh, you know, so you're absolutely right that there is a lot of things kind of like in the community that I think kind of going along with that Stockholm syndrome you were talking about, I've been doing it for so long now. I kind of take it for granted that other people know. Like Mm -hmm. I just say like, oh, of course you know how to do this. This is just how everybody does it. But the idea of like 
you know, restful actions, essentially restful methods. Yeah. Knowing how to name your routes. So it should always be, you know, mm-hmm. model dot, you know, restful actions or restful, you know, method or something like that, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Right. Yeah. So yep. user dot create uh, or user dot store or user dot edit, user dot update. And those are the things you don't have to think about. It's so much, it's so nice, yeah. it's, you know, so much less mental overhead that you don't have to think about how to name this thing. But yeah, you're, you're right that uh, just because you're using Laravel does not mean that they're not going to have questions about how best to do certain things in yeah. Laravel. Yeah. And, and obviously with, with the mindset that they've been in previously with the, the existing code base, you don't want too much of that to start leaking into Laravel. It's like, well, we'll just pick up all of this code that was in this you know, index.php file and then put it inside a index method in a controller because that's, right. that's not the idea. So I said, you know, if you have any questions, I'm I'm here here to help. Like that's part of my role is to help right. mentor right. and steer that conversation. But he came to me the other day and he goes, you know, we could really move our CRM to Laravel as well. And I thought I I didn't I haven't brought this up at all to him. I've spoken about sort of more broadly rewriting and refactoring large parts of that system, but not in terms of any specific technology or any anything like that so he's come to me now after using laravel for a week and he's he's got ideas about how we could implement it and how we could you know do that kind of stuff and we've talked about it briefly in the past about how we could share like the models between different systems that you you know that that touch the same database tables so being able to package like here is the default set of tables that already have the table because the table names don't follow the laravel convention obviously so we've got to configure the table and the and the primary key properties on the sure. thing, yeah, and we like, have to turn off yep. timestamps. So you know those those three three things that that we can inherit from a like a base package, and then if we have to make any changes per project, like per application, then we can make those extending from the base models. But we can say you know here is our default set of models. I like for the, that for that database. So so this has been a little bit of a challenge, and some of the stuff that we've done in the past is we have two applications that share the same set of. It shares the same database, but the trick was always like, okay, where do the migrations live? Because what you don't yeah. want is when you deploy mm-hmm. one, you don't want the migrations to automatically run. Not that it would matter actually, because if they're both using the same database, it doesn't it doesn't matter at all. But Correct. you don't want to have half the migrations in one, half the migrations in the other. So mm-hmm. I think that solution of essentially pulling them into a package is mm-hmm. a really solid idea because you can still write your tests that way too. That was the other challenge is like, if you don't have the migrations you can't run a test that says use database migrations or whatever, no, you know, cause the, no, cause the, yeah. No, cause the, no. the, 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 the you have to have a copy of the database. You have to have a copy of the database. Yeah. All of your tests have to use transactions like mine currently do. <laughs> cause there <laughs> yeah, are no, so. there are no migrations and there's no, like, I mean, you can reverse engineer them. There's a plugin for SQL right. pro that you can use right. that will do that. Uh, which or will there's actually, the there's actually a Laravel yeah. plugin that will uh, build you Laravel migrations from an existing database. There you go. We'll link those up that up in the show notes as well. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you can do that, but I, I guess the underlying thing is you want to have the models and the migrations in one place because this is the thing. Those databases are used by our CRM, they're used by our members area, and they're used by like our, our authentication servers and they're used by things like that. So what is the single source of truth for that database? Right. Right. If you think in terms of a Laravel application generally, the Laravel application is just deployed and it does and it manages itself and it runs. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's like self And you might have multiple instances. You know, you might have multiple instances. Sure. 
of of the same application that that is spread across load balances or it's you know high availability or whatever but we're talking distinct applications that talk to the same database and it's managing those like it may just be that like i don't i don't want to deploy a laravel application that's just responsible for the database migrations right yeah exactly i wanted to look at like a third-party tool something that was kind of agnostic that would just build the databases but like i don't know i don't know what the solution is for that yet yeah, I mean, you could just say like this is okay. So I, I think number one, I think putting them into a package, a like a private, and, and this we do we do this in your composer.json, You can put as a uh, as like one of the things in the bottom is like a repository. You can have yeah, yeah a repository. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just say like VCS, and then you use the uh, you know so you can send it to or or link mm-hmm. it to basically the git repository that you want it to look at yeah. and it will inspect yep. that thing's composer.json file and then look to see if there is a you know mm-hmm. if there is a whatever it is whatever the name of it is and and then it'll pull that in if you have it in your requirements or your dev requirements uh we do that right now so yeah, you could definitely pull it into a package. And the nice thing is too, with like new package stuff, like you can specify like, hey, load migrations from this path and all that stuff. Yeah. So put it in a package and then that gives you the ability to run tests from any of the code bases that are pulling in that package because you can just run the migrations yeah. and have it point to a local database and all that stuff. Uh, what As far as like running the migrations into production, I would probably say like in... Envoyer, you can specify when you're deploying, you have these deploy hooks and you mm-hmm. can say, here are the three servers that this kind of code is going to. And you can yep. say only run migrations for this specific server, which is what we end up doing in some mm-hmm. cases where we have like two instances of the same application. You know, we just say like only run migrations for this particular server deploy. And so you just have yep. one server that's responsible for making the changes to the database and the rest of them just to, you know, mm. it doesn't, they don't care about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good solution, though, putting it in a package. Yeah, definitely, at least for the models that we would put them in there, like a model for each of our database tables. That'd be great. Yeah. We would have a base model, which turns off some of Laravel's things like timestamps and, and whatnot that we don't use because all of it lives outside of Laravel. And then, you know, casting dates and things like that. We've, I mean, we've got, we've got date time fields in, our, in some of our tables that are just called date time, which irks me. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Hey, sorry. I'll just apologize in advance. Uh, you might hear an occasional buzzing or something like that in the recording, everyone. Not to fear. No worries. I am just sitting next to a refrigerator and a water conditioner. So <laughs> you may hear odd noises. I'm in the basement of my in-laws house because everybody's sleeping upstairs. And nice. it's 12.02 on Black Friday. It's a pretty fancy Ooh. looking basement. Like you could host an event down there. It looks like theater know, or something. It's a nice, yeah. It's a nice little basement here. They they've got yeah. uh, they got it set up for like football games and stuff. You know, they want to yeah, nice be able to have uh, they have a big screen down here. The couches, it's nice. Yeah, but there's also a fridge like and a noisy it. water conditioner thing <laughs> with like the salt pellets in it. You know, whatever. Yeah, okay, yeah. a rabbit water trail softener. over. Yeah, water softener. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, sorry. Back to the code. So yeah, so yeah. I guess I don't really know what the solution is for the, the migration still because our systems team might need to do some database stuff that is independent of those applications. So uh, they, they yes. might make, make changes right. to the database structure based on the radius server that they're using. Doesn't really affect the application, but we still want to be able to track those changes because eventually it might affect the applications. Yeah. And eventually, like we need we need to know across any 
environment across any setup you know, dev or local or staging or whatever. Yeah. You know, you obviously want to have all of the all of the migrations and all of the tables the same at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Dump dump the database and then re-import it, which is, you know, it's it's ten year old like stuff I was doing ten years ago that sure. I thought I got away from. But yeah, you know, solutions will present themselves. They will. Yep. Yep. You just got to think outside the box a little bit, I suppose. And we had to do mm-hmm. that recently on a project where we. I've talked about a little bit on here, but one of the essentially have one umbrella Laravel project and then many Laravel projects inside that essentially. And yeah. we just made special like migrations and special models and special, we just put a trait on all of them where it will mm-hmm. use a different connection based on if you're running locally or if you're running in production. So if you're running in yeah. production, it will, each one has its own different database table. Not table. It's its own different database. So we have like a yeah. main, the umbrella application, like that has its own thing. And then each micro application inside there has its own database that it uses. But if you're in mm-hmm. testing, you can't have multiple MySQL light databases that are working together. So you have to kind of push mm-hmm. them all into one. So when yeah. we do that, uh, when we're running locally, our migrations and our models all look at the same database connection but they each each table gets prefixed with the name of the micro application. So we have one micro application called RapRes. So it'd be like RapRes underscore users. We have another one mm-hmm. called coaching. So it's like coaching underscore users, right? So but they all live in the same database. And all the models yep. know to go look there for the testing environment instead mm-hmm. of to the database and then the table that they're looking at. So yeah, thank God for Laravel's extensibility. You can totally do that. Just add a trait yeah. in and you're all set to go. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about really quickly with that, you would said basically, you know, these people who have been working in these code bases forever, they kind of just get stuck. Like this is the way I've always done it. And yep. I want to be careful that we don't criticize too much because we do the same thing really when it comes to Correct. Laravel. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm, yeah. I'm guilty of that too, where I'm like, well, this is kind of, I've always done this, this exact way and it works perfectly. Like, and I love mm. it. So why would I look yeah. outside to find anything yeah. else that works better because this works really good. And it does. Yeah. But I think it's important that we are constantly like J Mac said something on the other day, something the other day, and it was relating to dead code and and uh like taking out dead code or something. And somebody was like, Yeah, the guy that I work with freaks out whenever I take out this code or whatever. And and Jason McCurry said, Don't code comfortable. Meaning like, mm-hmm. don't be okay with just like your status quo, like what you're used to, like push yourself to go outside of what your norm is every once in a while, right? So I think it's important mm-hmm. that we're on a regular basis kind of evaluating other things and looking at other things. And I know Adam Wadden has talked to you about, you know, knowing other programming languages, like just getting started in something else, just to kind of have another perspective yeah. of things that you can bring in or things that are being done better elsewhere, uh, so you don't mm-hmm. just become this little monoculture. Like we have no outside influence. It's just an echo chamber. Yeah. You know, that can be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. What yes. else have you got going on over there? Oh, man. Um, let's see here. Well, I got off on Monday this week. Oh, we had a uh, we had an interesting uh, thing this last week. So my boss, Mr. Jordan Brill. I don't, We should have him on the show sometime. Dude's crazy yeah. smart. Uh, but he uh, basically said, all right we are going to have a competition and what we're going to do is we're going to incentivize you to find an amazing solution. That's going to help the people that do, you know, that basically make the money for our company, do their job better. Mm-hmm. 
And so he mm -hmm. said, you guys have the week. So I understand this will delay your other projects. That's totally fine. I want you to go interview their managers, go sit with the people who are on the floor doing the work and find something that's basically going to make their job way easier or make it, you know, make our company more money. So we did that. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. So I took my software development team down there. So me and two other guys and then the IT side of things, the, you know, there's four of them. They kind of went and, and did their thing. And we had to come up with an original idea. We had to come up with a proposal, a two-page written-out proposal. We have to put together a presentation. We had to get endorsements from managers and different people in the company, which was really cool. But it was interesting because the new developers that I have on my team, they've never been down there. So they don't, they have never sat with the people who actually make the money that allow us yeah. to have our jobs. So yeah. it was really good. For like a week, we just they were like learning about what it was that they do and really just got a a, a good feel for like the company. And got to talk to people they've never talked to before. So it was really interesting. Anyway, the idea we came away with is that we're going to kind of make an experiment out of some machine learning stuff and take all the data that we have on files and cases that we've worked on and, and you know, either solved successfully or had to close out and take that data, feed it into a machine and to build some model. And you have to kind of tune and test the model and then hopefully use it eventually for predictive analysis of these different cases and files to see how likely they are to pay. Uh, so that's been an interesting kind of foray into machine learning. I've learned a lot about it. And I, <laughs> to be honest, I'm more excited about the idea than I am actually about doing it. Like I, yeah. I, I like <laughs> I liked researching machine learning way more than I feel like I'm actually going to like implementing it. It seems like it's going to be really yeah. tedious, but I think it has some pretty cool applications. And really, it's kind of funny. Machine learning is one of those things where it's it's become this, not a catchphrase, it's a buzzword, right? Ooh, like yeah. machine learning, AI. Dude, it's just like math. It's literally just <laughs> basic math when, you, when it comes down to yeah. it. It's like linear regressions and you just combine all these linear regressions and get like a, a simple percentage. It's, it's so funny. I think the difference is that you can iterate over like, you know, thousands and millions and whatever of records and, and it will basically do all that math for you. They've built these models that are kind of abstracted away. You no longer have to be the one building these statistical, you know, formulas. You just basically yep. tell it, this is the model I want to use. Give me a binary model. Here's all the data. Go figure it out. Um, so mm -hmm. it's it's pretty neat. I'm really looking forward to, to kind of seeing how those results come out. And I think yeah. we're going to kick the other team's butt. I'm pretty sure because... <laughs> Our idea rocks. That's, that's what. It, that's really what it's all about. So, it's right? really about that. At the yeah, end of the day, really it's just it's about winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so I still got to put together the presentation, which is due Monday, this next Monday. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't know. It's like I have Saturday, Sunday. I have the day Monday. We have to present it at the end of the day Monday. So I'm sure I'll probably be spending my day Monday putting together that presentation. So yeah. fingers yeah. crossed I do well. It's worth it. There's a small bonus attached. It's, so it should be fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds interesting. Um, I, I had a friend of mine float an idea to me that involved machine learning, and I just, I like, I liked all of it apart from the machine learning part because it it just seems like this mysterious thing that is totally beyond my level of comprehension. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, it's uh, it's not actually that intimidating once you've kind of looked into yeah. it, but once you look at it, yeah. So yeah, it's, to it. it's interesting. So like, there's a couple different ways that they model it. There's like supervised learning, I think, which is where you are essentially like providing the inputs and then saying like, here are the outcomes. And that's how you kind of train your machine. 
or your model yeah. and then you and then you test it and tweak it saying like okay i'm going to feed it more data that i still know the answers to so you basically take like here's 100% of the data that i have pieces mm -hmm. of data and then i have an outcome i'm going to give it 80% of the data and let it train itself and then I'm going to hold yep. back 20% of the data to kind of test that with. And so now once mm -hmm. I've trained it with 80% of the data, I say, okay, here's one, here's some input and see what it says. And then, you know, if yep. it says, yep, you're good to go. I look at what actually happened. Was that a, a successful one? Oh, okay, it was. So now I'm going to feed the model these this data and see, you know, how well it actually predicts. And then once you've nice. got it good enough, then you can say, okay, now we're going to actually use it for predictive analysis. The other thing that you have is like unstructured learning where you basically don't give it any outcomes. You just feed it a bunch of random crap and yeah. see what sort of correlations and associations it comes up with. This is kind of mm -hmm. like what Netflix would do for suggested movies, yeah. right? So it would just take like, here's all the movies that all of our users have watched. So like Michael has watched Rambo and has watched, uh, you know, Rocky two and has watched all the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it takes yeah, that, yeah. it takes all of my viewing habits and everybody's and just kind of dumps them in a bucket and says, all right, figure out what people will like. So it looks at yours and it says, well, it looks like a lot of people who watched um, Rambo also really like the Terminator movies, right? And so yeah. then when somebody watches Rambo, it says, hey, here's some other movies you might like. And there's actually also on Netflix, hey, we're 95% sure that you're going to like this. One. It's a 95% match for you. That's It's just machine learning, right? So that's yeah. that uh, that's that unsupervised sort of learning. Yeah. And again, really, like there's Google has TensorFlow, mm -hmm. which is their kind of platform. Amazon has the AWS machine learning. I think that Microsoft has one. And so it's all available and all out there and they've made it so accessible and so easy. And they also have these really crazy large databases that you can just fill up with data and throw at the machine learning yeah. stuff. So Google has BigQuery is the name of theirs. Amazon has Redshift, but it's a very interesting field. I'd be interested if anybody has dabbled in this or has more experience than I do, which is pretty much none. I'd be really interested in if you could reach out to me and just kind of hit us up on Twitter and talk to me yeah. about that. I'd be uh, curious to hear your insights and kind of what's worked for you and and what hasn't, uh, or if there's anything I really need to avoid, any pitfalls that I should be aware of. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had um, at my previous job, we had access to IBM Watson, and one of one of our data scientists ran a model for. We used to host, or they, when I say we used to, I mean they hosted one of or two of Australia's biggest cinema websites. And so they were able to do some modeling against the weather and ticket sales for Boxing Day, which is like we have a public holiday the day after Christmas Day. And to see based on the weather, are people more or less likely to buy tickets Interesting. to go to the movies on that, on that public holiday or that bank holiday? Yeah. And then based on that, recommend that we you know, increase capacity for, you know, instead of running like 10 servers, they should run 20 servers because we're expecting the load based on the, the forecast yeah, yeah. weather. That's smart. Yeah, because you don't want to right, crash them out or whatever because you don't have enough capacity. Yeah. So you don't want people to not be able to buy tickets because then you've got, you know, 100 people trying to access 200 tickets, but you can only serve 50 customers at a time. Right. So right. So that that was really cool. I, I don't think they actually went ahead with us and their infrastructure ended up going. And uh, we said, well, we suggested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, not much you can say about that. You gave them all the stuff yeah. they needed to make the decision. And they said, no, I don't think we're going to bet you. Like, all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to before I wanted to as well give some shout outs in this um, episode. 
We've had a lot yeah. of people, at least I have. I know I'm sure you probably had have, have had a lot of people reaching out to you recently on Twitter. Like we've been asking for feedback and I feel like there's been a lot of people who have been giving yeah. us a lot of feedback, which has been it's pretty been, awesome. It's been good lately. Um, so I'm just going to kind of read over some names here. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. David PSA. Devin Hyden was asking about ADL DAP connection and stuff like that. And was able to point mm-hmm. him to Laravel ADL DAP too, I think. Let's see here. Andrea Swick. She asked for one of our focus licenses from uh, Laravel News and was very kind. Yeah. Had, gives, had some very kind of words for us. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. Who else? And then well, I promise I'll, I'll stop here. I reckon. Yeah. One other. We're going to uh, give some love to uh, TJ, but TJ is amazing. Oh, by the way. Change. TJ has, what's the name of that coffee company TJ has? We should give a quick shout out to that. Great Wild Coffee. Great, Great Wild, Wild Coffee. Let's probably, let's double check, double check. Great. Oh, James Lachance. That was the other guy I wanted to give a shout out to. Uh, he was talking to me about Great Wild um, Coffee. Yeah. the speed cubing stuff. Great Wild Coffee. Sweet. Yeah, but James Lachance was, uh, listened to our episode and heard me talk about Rubik's Cube stuff. And uh, he, he reached out and was giving me some helpful hints, which by the way, nice. I've gotten, I've gotten really much better at now, which I was really happy about. Uh, my wife <laughs> I saw you did a live stream crazy. the other day. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny because I was working at night and I was like so dead tired. <laughs> and I was chatting with uh, Hempel and some of the other guys online. And I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a live stream real quick and see if I could solve this thing. And so I think David was the only one who watched it. Maybe Andrew a little bit. But yeah, I live streamed I myself a it. private a private stream of me solving a Rubik's cube. So as I get better, mm-hmm. I'm getting, I've gotten faster. Like my time has improved quite a bit. Uh, I'm now down nice. to like two and a half minutes, which is still, I mean, by most people's standards that know how to do it, that have done it for any amount of time, that's still like eternally long, but Hey, I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. So. You'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there. The, the other person, the other person that uh, actually did a, or put a review in. Oh like yeah. That's iTunes right. iTunes review. Yes. Yes. was Jade Edward. Jade, that's right, Jade. Yeah, what did she say? You want to read it for us real quick? Yeah, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> All right, let's see here. I think Eric, who sent it to us? All right. So thank you to Jade. Jade wrote, it's great to hear the various dev adventures of Jake and Michael interspersed with tips, tricks, and recommendations for nifty products and packages. Keep up the time difference, Tango Peeps. Also, Elvish Tattoos rock. Because you have an Elvish Tattoo. Because I have an Elvish Tattoo. Can you please put that in the show notes? Just a link. Just a link to an image of your Elvish tattoo. Sure, I sure. can. I can do that. <laughs> Give the people what they want. I remember when you were when you uh, oh everybody was asking you for those basketball pictures that you had taken at work. That's you right. That? And you put That's those right. online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really funny. Hashtag Give the people what they want. <laughs> That's funny. Let's see. Let's talk. Let's talk about two more things here, and then we'll wrap it up. And hey, everybody who's listening, thanks for listening to our ramblings. Sometimes this is just what happens, you know. Like especially on a, a week like this where I haven't worked pretty much most of the week. And, you know, this is pretty much just a time for me to catch up with Michael and all his amazing Aussie adventures. So thanks for listening to our random ramblings. Hopefully you get something from (laughs) this. I was going to ask if you've done any open source contributions lately or if you've had any packages that you've got out there that are doing well or I know you've got the Tailwind preset out there for Laravel. How's How's that one going? Yeah, it's taking long. You know, it's just there. People install. I actually... I think once you install it, you would probably remove it, I guess. Like this is probably, I mean, it doesn't affect anything if you keep it in your project, but you're only going to run the, the preset once, I suppose. So yeah, it's, it's ticking along, doing its, doing its thing. The other, I, I looked at a couple of other packages, my, what was it? The nullable fields one and the 
Cascade Soft Elite's one, they're, they're running pretty well at around 50,000 installs each. Wow. Which when, when I wrote those packages and, and like I had, I thought I just need to be able to reuse it between two projects. So I'll put it up and I wrote a, I'm pretty sure I wrote a blog post about it. And it's just over the last 12, 18 months, it's just kept ticking along. So that's thank awesome. you to anyone who's using it. You know, it's nice to have that kind of validation. That, yes, you know, for it's sure. Not, it's not just, you know, this thing that I've done. It's, it's something that, that is actually useful to other people. Which yes. is which is always nice. Yep. And which package was that specifically? Was your Nullable Fields one? Yeah, the Nullable Fields one and the the Cascade Soft Deletes one. Yeah, the Nullable Fields one is how we actually first met. It is. It is. It was a good good time. We'll always have a special place in our heart. Yeah, we will always have a special place in our heart for the Nullable Fields package. It's, it was amazing. I remember it was like <laughs> exactly what I needed at the very right time, and I found it. And that was when you had that really weird name, Yatsu, blah blah yeah. blah, whatever, <laughs> Yatsuami yeah. or something. I can't remember. I had sturdy. I was talked out of it. Matt said, "Look, if you want people to take you seriously, you need to start using your name." Yes. So yes. So you did. I started using my name, and I'm not convinced that people take me seriously. But uh, <laughs> it's more discoverable things, for sure. I could never remember. That's it. right. I don't. I don't think Dorinda's any more easy to spell than I had sturdy was. But well, it's easy to remember though. I don't know. <laughs> it's easy to remember. So anyway, yeah, I remember reaching out to you and being like, "Hey, this is awesome. This is really cool. Are you coming to Laravel uh, or Laracon?" And you were like, "Yeah, maybe." Hey, want to do a podcast? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. So that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Um, <laughs> let's see. I was able to. I, I've been using with this project that I was just working on that I was telling you about earlier. I uh, mm-hmm. I really wanted to do client side validation, and with five. T- okay, and. Okay, so I'm kind of on the fence about the server-side validation stuff. Like, I, I, of course, I use server-side validation. But as far as like using the error messages coming back from server-side validation in order to to do that, mm-hmm. like sometimes I just want it more simple than that. And I sometimes really yeah. want it to be before I post back to the server. So if there's an easy way for me to do that without having to set up some other stuff, mm-hmm. I just like the flexibility that client-side validation offers me. And so one way or one library that I've used to do that is Vulidate. So it's validate, but with view instead of val. So Vulidate yep. and it works so well. So you basically just set up a, you set up like your form elements or your form model bindings, right? The things in your data, uh, in your view component that you want to be bound when you submit uh-huh. the form. And then in this, you just set up another object in your data called validators and you just set the rules that you want so required url email whatever and it makes it super easy to display errors or to do whatever and the nice thing is it's sort of it sort of reminds me of tailwind in that it does not make any design design excuse me it does not make any design (laughs) decisions for you so it gives you less um out of the box like Hey, just when this error happens, it automatically wraps your bootstrap component because you know we know you're using bootstrap. It automatically wraps yeah. that in an error. It doesn't do any of that for you. It just gives you all yeah. of the tools that you need to make your own errors however you yeah. want. And I love that. So works great. Uh, however, the URL validator did not validate URLs that were uppercase. If there was like an huh. uppercase after the HTTP, or if the HTTP was included as uppercase, uh, it would not use, it would not work. It would come back as invalid. So I was like, "Mm, that's not right. That shouldn't be that way. So I was able to submit a pull request. And the dude was kind of like, he didn't, he agreed that like that shouldn't be that way. 
but he wasn't like, mm, that's just because my solution was, hey, just put a case insensitive flag on the regex that you were using to check it. And yeah. he's like, eh, I'm not crazy about that. So he said, why don't you do some research? So I literally, I literally went to like all these RFCs and like pulled block <laughs> quotes and Wikipedia and just pasted them all to the pull request. I was like, here it is, man. And I was like, it, it's, it should be accepting uppercase. And so he eventually caved and now it has uppercase matching for URLs with just a case insensitive nice. flag. So the actual nice. code that I had to change was literally like one character and add one test and all set to go. But that was my, that was Sweet. my recent con- contribution. And if you have not used Vulidate ever, I would highly recommend checking it out. It's super awesome. Allows you to do conditional validation. It's it's really really nice. So, so we went we went through this phase where we were trying to figure out how to bring Laravel's backend validation into the front end so that we didn't have to duplicate it. And now you've gone full circle and you're duplicating it again. Yes, I am, and it's it really it's on a case by case basis. So in some sure. instances, I will you know in an ideal world, again it just depends. Like if I have like a plain form on a page, I will just use server side validation. Like it's mm-hmm. a plain form. I'm going to submit it to the back end. If it has errors, it's going to come back with the errors. It's going to inject them and I'm good to go. No problem. I, I'm fine with displaying them that way. If I have a yeah. form that needs to be able to be like Ajax submitted. So like in this case, mm-hmm. it was a modal pop-up that they would fill out and then they would need to submit and it would need to come back with a, a success or error message immediately without refreshing the page yeah. or any of that mess. And so, yeah, I, I use it was one of those cases where it was going to be because it was a legacy application as well. It just was not going to be as easy to integrate some of this stuff. So Mm -hmm. Vulidate in in this case, and there's other cases where I just like, I don't want to have to like, okay, as a, for instance here, in some cases I needed the URL to be inputted and valid. And in other cases, I just wanted to hide the URL and not make it valid and not make it required. Well, Mm -hmm. that's going to be a pain in the butt to do server side and return that back. Like it's just not like, Maybe not a huge pain, but like I didn't want to, I just didn't want to have to mess with it. So it was super easy to do it on the, on the client side and it was an easy win. You know, I just felt like I had more control mm-hmm. over it. So if you've got a simple form that literally just needs one sort of validation, great. Use that like spacy backend form stuff. But if you have like multiple pages that all need validation, it's going to yeah. be, you're going to be fighting with yourself to get that to work. Whereas with you, with Vulidate, mm-hmm. you can say, Hey, when I change pages, validate that these, pa- these uh, elements on the page are valid before you allow the page to change, you know? So it's, it's really, uh, it really just depends on the context of the situation, but uh, it's been a really good tool. It's okay. been the best one that I've found Vulidate. Nice. Yeah. I, with, with this Laracon AU business, I had to get some MailChimp integration up. Because awesome. it was, you know, it was the easiest way to get it off the ground. Sure. Of course, our friends at Sparsi had a package to do this for me. Oh, really? I'm interested to hear about this. Yeah. So it's just a Laravel newsletter, I think it's called. We'll obviously link it up in the show notes, but it gives you package auto discovery. So include the package. It registers a facade for you. Which is and beautiful. And all you need to do is call newsletter, colon, colon, subscribe, and then pass your email address. I got to go look this up. So uh, what's obviously, you have to configure it. Newsletter. Laravel okay, Laravel newsletter. Looking at. Oh yeah. Yeah. Look at that. So it's called newsletter, but it works works for MailChimp, which was, you know, obviously a match made in heaven. Um you have to configure it. So you publish your configuration from from the package and put in your list ID and your uh API key. And oh, yeah, off it went. Works right. Oh, so freaking beautiful. There is one thing that that I had to consider whilst I enabled double opt-ins. So when someone puts in the email address, they still have to you know, verify their email address. Right, right. If you make the request via the API, it will assume that you have already 
interesting gotten yes gotten the the approval so it won't send that opt-in email so you have to pass a, a flag to that method to say you know set the status of this to pending so that mailchimp knows to then send the the the, the opt-in email that's which a, is good that's an important note to make yeah that's but man this is uh, i wish i would have looked here before but i don't I, know I, mean, I don't like the i don't like the error messages that it returns because it returns like and and i'm i didn't look into it too much so i'm not sure if it's the the sparsity package or if it's the underlying mailchimp sdk but it returns like the status code colon and then like a ambiguous message which i mean you you'd get it it's like invalid email or whatever but it's 400 colon you have specified an invalid or incorrect email address or something like that so okay but i guess yeah. you know if you see red text just check your email address right right but that was that was the only thing really but you know i just i threw that behind a a simple Ajax post. So the form fires it off, does its thing, returns a okay. And then, yeah. So thank you. Cause I was, I was stressing about it. It was literally the last thing I let, I left it to the last minute to, to figure out how to put that in. And I spent not very long at all on it, getting it all set up. That's awesome. Uh, really- then the, I spent longer trying to figure out how to get Cloudflare to not cache my, my CSRF tokens than I did on anything else, getting that up and running. Which let's talk about this for Which a minute. Is- Let's, I mean, let's talk about Which, of course, I don't realize until it was in production. Right. So obviously, I wasn't caching, caching locally. Absolutely. So I know we're at 58 minutes already, but I want to talk real quickly about CSRF. I feel like this could be valuable information for anybody who's not familiar with what CSRF is or what it accomplishes if we just had like a really quick segment about what it is, how it works. Sure. You want, me to, take, you want me to take this one or you want to go for it as far as initial? No, no, no go for it. Go for okay. It. I'll give you a scenario. So let's say that you are signed into Amazon and uh, that is all well and good. And you have one click ordering turned on and that's also well and good. All right. So you go to a malicious site and they have a item that is for sale on Amazon and they have gone and inspected the form on Amazon and they have found that there is a post address that they can send something to, which signifies that somebody is ordering an item of theirs. Okay. So the situation is you go to their website and to make it very, this is not maybe how it would necessarily work, but like to give it a very low level sort of concept of, of why this is dangerous. What they would do is you would visit their website and then they would submit maybe, maybe an Ajax request in the background to that post address that Amazon uses to add the item to your cart. And since you have one click ordering on it, we'll go ahead and do it. We'll go ahead and order that item. Well, you're not ever aware that that happened, but they just made that post address or that post request for you. Since you are logged in in your browser to your Amazon account, it's going to go ahead and make that post request for you, that user. Mm -hmm. And now they've just ordered an item. Mm -hmm. So they just got some cash from you. All right. So how do you prevent this from happening? The way that this works, the way that uh, you prevent that from happening is you create a token your website creates a token for that user's session. And in order for a form to be submitted, your post request must also contain that token. That is a cross-site forgery request that it is preventing. So that's what a CSRF token is. It is a, a little, you know, token that your website generates with their session and it matches that up when a post request is submitted and make sure, hey, is this actually coming from our website or is it coming from somebody malicious? And it blocks mm-hmm. it if it is. All right. So that's the that's the nature of a CSRF token. So it's really only 
I wouldn't say it's only useful, but it is most useful when you're trying to protect a user that is already logged into your website. So in this case, Laravel by default will provide a CSRF token. But since you just were having a user sign up to a form and there was nobody like logged in yeah. necessarily, there wouldn't have really been much horrible that could have happened other than somebody just getting accidentally signed up for your email list. Yeah. Um, you know, so in this case, a CSRF token wasn't necessarily necessary, but yeah, but that, yeah, there it is. So, yeah, so I just ended up disabling it in the end. I'm sure there's a way around it. Like, I guess for a, for a website that is sitting behind a load balance or, or a, you know, a caching proxy, you would probably look at fetching the token dynamically, like as in you would hit some endpoint server side from your client to there you go. You know, yeah, grab sure. a new token and then and then update the the dom that way but even at that then i mean but, how would you know yeah somebody could do that the other way around though they could just figure out that endpoint i suppose and then grab the token yeah. and then yeah i don't know i don't know how you do it yeah i don't know what the solution is i i'm sure there's a way because there's gotta forge, be yeah laravel forge i'm pretty sure sits behind cloudflare or at least that had the header tags for it when i looked i'm pretty sure so there has to be some way of doing it yeah of not caching that csrf uh, I'm not caching the CSRF token of somebody else on the page, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, or you could set it as a header or something like that. I'd have to look into it. I didn't really have the time because I was already like a couple of hours behind when I wanted to launch it. So, yeah. And shout out to Jonathan Rennick for being the first person to, to actually tweet about Laricon Australia. <laughs> nice. Nice. Jonathan Rennick. Because I was talking, who was I talking to about it? I don't recall. I, it may have actually been Jonathan. And I thought, like, I'm just going to let it simmer because I'll just announce it in the morning, you know, when I wake up, when everyone else in Australia is awake. But I woke up to a whole bunch of people had shared it. So, yeah, thanks to to Jonathan, to TJ, to Taylor, I think were the three main ones that, that got on it while I slept and, and got the word out. So looking forward to it. That's awesome. I spent a bit of time planning bits and pieces last night. So That's awesome. Good. My wife and I talked about talked about the possibility of me being able to come over to Australia. Oh yeah, yeah. So how'd that go like, down for you? Good. She's open to the idea yeah? for sure. Yeah. Cool. Which I'm like, not. I mean, she's a wonderful person. I mean, it's not like she'd ever be like, "No, you can't go." That's totally not her. But at the same <laughs> yeah, time, we like, do have. Please four, don't go to a country do, the other side of the world. Right. We do have. And leave me with four children. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, no, it went it went good and. Uh, Okay. I was surprised how receptive she was. She's like, yeah, yeah, you should go. You should definitely go. I was like, this is awesome. So, yeah, we'll see, man. We will see. I mean, time will tell for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be super cool. It'd be super I'd like cool to be there. Though. Yeah, support my co-host and and uh, that'd be really fun. That'd be super, super fun to get over there. But uh, yeah, we'll yeah. see, man. We will see. We'll see. All right. Do we have anything else we wanted to wrap up talking about here? Sweet. Are we pretty good? I had some stuff to talk about hiring, but we can do it next time. Okay. Or maybe the time after that. Okay. We should talk good. about our extravaganza that's happening. Yes. Yes, next we episode. should. Okay. We are planning our special Christmas episode. We are going to be recording it. Should we do a live record? No, we shouldn't. It's going to be happening no. December 1st. <laughs> is that right? December 1st? Yep. It is happening December 1st. So this is the North meets South meets Dads and Dev meets TJ christmas extravaganza podcast yeah uh, i think we did our first annual 
one of those last year, but TJ He's wasn't on inaug- it. Inaugural one. Yeah, our, our inaugural one. TJ was not on it. So I think we're just pulling him in for fun. It should be a good time. Yeah. But anyway, that's going to be recorded next week and it's just going to be a crazy mess, but it'll be fun. Yeah. We're going to have a special special segment on that one as well, uh, which, which we'll leave as a surprise, but I think it'll be good fun. We should do like trivia games and stuff like that. We should like make it just a fun episode. Yeah. That'd be good times. If you don't like fun, don't listen to it. Thank but for you. For those of you who like fun, yes. please, please share with us. Yeah. It's a Christmas episode. You can't have, you can't be like too serious. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that should be really fun. So be looking for that next one in your, uh, pod catchers and, uh, it should be, should be a really good time. Yeah. That'll wrap us up for Christmas. And then, then it'll be, I mean, we're doing it early. Uh, are we going to release it straight away? Cause we'll have, you and I going to have to record two, two podcasts next week. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. We'll make it work. And then maybe we'll take a break until the new year. Yeah. For the holidays. I think so. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. This has been a good All episode. Right. It's been fun. It's It has been always. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 38 of the North Meets South Web podcast. Thank you to all our faithful listeners and all you people who are so kind to us and send us nice words and things like that. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, we would really, really appreciate that. Five stars is always most appreciated. Four would be okay too, but you know, five stars is best. Um, let's see. If you have any questions for us, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at our own personal Twitter handles or at North South Audio, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, show notes for this episode will be at northmeetsouth.audio slash 38. Thank you everyone again for listening. I wish I had a I, I wish I had like a special magic trick I could do, like a mind-bending magic trick right now. Let's see. Hold on. All right, everyone. Is everybody ready? Break out your calculators. I'm ready. Let's do it. Break out your calculator. Are you ready? Okay. I want you to pick a number between 1 and 10. Don't tell me what it is. Uh Uh-huh. You've got it written down? Yep. Okay. Multiply that number by 2. Yep. Add 8 to your new number. Yeah. All right. Divide that number by 2. Yeah. And then subtract the original number that you picked, the very first one. Yeah. Okay. So now you should have a number between 1 and 26. Coincidentally, 26 is also the number of letters in the English alphabet. So what I want you to do is I want you to take the number that you got and correspond it with uh, or you know, match it up with the corresponding letter in the English alphabet. Don't tell me what it is. So like 1 would be A, yep. 2 would be B. Okay. So get your letter. Tell me when you've got it. Yeah. Okay, so I want you to take that letter and think of any country in the world that begins with that letter. Uh-huh. Okay, then take the letter that comes next in the alphabet. For example, like if you had B, you would use C. And think of an animal that begins with that letter. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Yeah. There are no elephants in Denmark. There's also no echidnas in Denmark. Oh my gosh. It's a freaking Australian <laughs> animal. What is it? <laughs> An echidna. What is an echidna? It's a cute little fluffy thing that's got needles on its back. Of course you would. An echidna. <laughs> Screw up my trick. All right, everyone. Hopefully you got an elephant <laughs> in Denmark. It's a good trick if you get it right. It is a good trick. Uh, People are like, what the heck? Oh, my gosh. Elephants <laughs> in Denmark. Almost always works. So if it worked for you, write into us. Let us know. There might be elephants. They might have a zoo. There certainly won't be any echidnas. It's too cold. 
<laughs> Probably not. Maybe we should change the trick to echidnas. <laughs> There's no echidnas in Denmark. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'll let you go, man. It's 1244. I like it. <laughs> I'll send you the link to that. Very good. Very there good. We go. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you in two weeks. See you. Bye.